Assalamualaikum. It is Thursday, the nineteenth of May, two thousand and twenty-two. <clears throat> and uh, in our series reflections on the Holy Quran, this is broadcast number three hundred and fifteen. Uh, and. We are discussing the meanings of the words of chapter two, Al-Baqarah, verse hundred and one, and this is the third broadcast uh, in discussing the words of this verse of uh, Al-Baqarah, chapter two, the how. These broadcasts are brought to you courtesy of uh, Glazer, the Lahore MDS School for Education in Religion, which is a part of Ahmadiyya Islam. The Ahmadiyya Islam was founded by Hazrat Mirza Ulam Ahmad Rahmatullah and he taught that although other Muslims say that another prophet can come after the Holy Prophet Muhammad, this is not possible because uh, the Holy Quran says that the Holy Prophet was Khatamun Nabiyyin and the Holy Prophet explained that this term means La Nabi Abadi. There is no prophet after me. So that means no prophet, old or new, can now come. Zarasad further said that he was the Mujaddid, or he was a Mujaddid, sent in accordance with the Hadith of the Holy Prophet Muhammad. And he said that uh, in Hadith, the Holy Prophet described two people, Messiah and Mahdi, and these were in fact titles for him, for a particular Mujaddid, which he was. And he stressed that every Kalmago is a Muslim, although our non-MD brothers show haste in calling each other kafir and heretic and out of pale of Islam and God knows what else. 
But the Holy Prophet had said that if uh, one reciter of the Kalima says to another reciter, you are not a Muslim, you are a Kafir, then it is the person saying it who is the Kafir. The person saying it. So we should not show haste. Abdullah bin Ubi, who was who recited the kalima at the time of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, but then went on to uh, oppose the Holy Prophet and did a lot of damage to the Muslim community. The Holy Quran refers to him as a hypocrite, not as a kafir. And this is important to remember. also said that although non-Ahmadi Muslims say that not all the prophetic revelation has been preserved, this cannot be correct because Allah says in the Holy Quran that he revealed the Quran and he is responsible for its preservation. So how could any prophetic revelation be missed when God himself has taken the responsibility for the Quran's protection? And how can anything be abrogated or cancelled from the Holy Quran? These are important things to reflect over. And Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad Sahib stressed the jihad is a duty of every Muslim, but not the jihad of our Noramdi friends who say it means take the sword and uh, go around cutting heads of uh, non-Muslims. The Holy Prophet himself defined jihad. While returning from fighting, he said, that from a minor jihad we return to the major jihad. And that is jihad bin nafs. A struggle with your own souls to reform them. So that is jihad kabir, the greater jihad. Yes, certainly, if you're attacked by someone with a sword, then you respond in kind. You have to defend yourself. <clears throat> so with that, let us go to chapter 101 of the Holy Quran. A'udhu billahi minashayyim Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Walamma jaahum rasulun min indillahi mufaddiqul lima ma'ahum nabadha fariqun min alladhina utul kitaba Kitab Allahi wa raa'a Zuhurihim ka'annahum 
and when there came to them a messenger from Allah verifying that which they have a party of those who were given the book through the book of Allah behind their backs as if they knew nothing so today we are going to look at uh, three words so like the Urdu broadcast this may be shorter than normal <clears throat> we are going to look at the word Sadiqullima uh, uh, so Lima and Ma'ahum and Nabadha so let me find my notes <clears throat> now the first word although it only consists of three letters Lima Lam Mim and Hamza it actually has two parts the first expression Li is one part which is a preposition and ma is a product so as we saw yesterday a preposition is something that tells you something about how a noun or pronoun is connected with the rest of the sentence so this is generally translated as what and when a messenger of Allah came to them confirming that which was with them so Musaddi Kullima <clears throat> that which was the next word we are going to the next expression we are going to look at is ma'ahum again this expression is made of two segments ma'ah and hum ma'ah is an adverb adverbs tell us how an action is performed and pronoun is and whom is a pronoun uh, <clears throat> by how an action is performed we know a verb is in, in English another way to describe it for children is doing word the doing word that tells us what a noun in that sentence is doing the dog is running fast what's being done is running how it's being done is fast so that is an adverb it tells us how an action is being undertaken uh, <clears throat> and uh, this is the, the translation of this is with them 
and then we have the word uh, nabada and uh, its root is noon ba zal and we find that uh, words based on that root found in the holy quran are 12 well sorry the words are two but they found in total 12 times in in the holy quran uh, <clears throat> 10 times as nabad and uh, twice as in tabadat and it basically means to cast away to throw it away and this kind of thing and this is how it's translated here you heard the translation and they threw it uh, etc uh, and uh, it can also be the, the one derivation is also translated as withdrawing so let us look at it and see what it may mean as i said the word <clears throat> oh what about that i've done something rather everything's disappeared here but thank god um it means anabdu means that uh, um, to get rid of something to throw something away because uh, it's regarded as useless not worth anything and uh, there's a proverb in arabic that uh, Uh, I threw it away like an old shoe. So, an old shoe has no value. So, it's the same thing. In chapter four, uh, sorry, I beg your pardon. In chapter hundred and four, verse four, it says, "Like the yumbazin afil hotamah," and certainly he'll be thrown into the Hodbaba. So, in chapter three, verse hundred and seventy-eight, the word is used in exactly the same way as here. Paraba zuhu barwa zuhurihim, and they threw it behind their back, and that is an expression. which uh, shows that you don't think whatever it is is worth anything so throw it behind your back you throw it away or the way it is used here or in uh, the previous verse of the holy quran nabazahu fariqum minhum and uh, one party from among them threw it as if it was a valueless thing 
etc. One interesting use of this word is uh, uh, in chapter uh, 8 uh, <clears throat> verse 58 where it says Fambis ilayhim ala sawa so throw their treaty the contract throw it back at them and uh, what it refers to is that if you have a treaty with another country with another people and they breach it now remember this you don't breach it they breach it it's like Sula Hudabia. It was a treaty between the Muslims and the Quraysh of Makkah and Muslims kept to the conditions of the, of the treaty. The treaty had just been signed and there was a slave uh, in Makkah who was a Muslim and he used to be tortured by the Makkans. And uh, he took advantage of the situation and he escaped from Makkah and he came to the Holy Prophet and fell at his feet <clears throat> and asked for sanctuary. And Muslims were in tears when they looked at him. He was bloodied, he was bruised, he was obviously had been beaten and tortured. And although the Holy Prophet cried, he said, my hands are tied. I signed this treaty which says that if anyone, if anyone escapes from Mecca and seeks sanctuary in Medina, I will have to return you. So I have to return you. I can't give you sanctuary. And uh, I'll pray to God and he'll open some door for you and uh, this companion of the holy prophet he was being taken back he was taken he was being taken back to mecca and i think he managed to escape by killing his captor or someone and he ran away into the desert and formed his own group of muslims and they occupied a place which was a trade route between Mecca and Syria and they would attack the caravans and harass them so and disrupt the trade and eventually Meccans asked the Holy Prophet that you know um, that clause of the treaty should be suspended and if anyone from Mecca wants to embrace Islam and go to Muslims, then that should be allowed. But the point to remember is that despite the emotions, despite seeing a Muslim who'd suffered torture, who'd suffered grievous bodily harm, to put it mildly, the Holy Prophet Muhammad still 
returned him to Makkans. And later on it was the Makkans who broke the treaty. Now the other thing in this is that when the other party breaks the treaty, then you reply in equal measure. What you don't do is what we see happening that they, uh, I don't know, kill or torture uh, one of your uh, nationals and you say, okay, you know, I'm going to uh, uh, kill a hundred of your nationals and so on. Your, your response should be proportionate and equal to what they've done. And this concept of proportionality, which is being described in this verse of the Holy Quran, has just become a part of Western law. Previously, we know that, for example, someone would, uh, I don't know, would be hungry and steal a loaf of bread. He'll be presented to the magistrates. And the magistrates would say, okay, send him to Australia. They'll deport him to Australia. Just for stealing a piece of bread, a loaf of bread, because he was hungry. So this idea of proportionality, that what you do should be proportionate, should be equal in measure. You know, if a thief breaks into your house and he's unarmed and you take a gun and shoot him dead, that is not a proportionate response. He wasn't armed. You had a gun. You could have said to him, you know, lie down and tied him up and call the police but you know the response is disproportionate to what happened to what the other guy was doing as the earlier example i gave you know someone steals a loaf of bread and you uh, ship ship him off to uh, australia but the other thing that islam introduced was extenuating circumstances what made this person break that law? Did he just do it? I mean, you know, did he see jewelry? And he thought, oh, you know, this is nice. I'd like to have those uh, diamond rings, you know, to give to my wife or something. Let me smash the window and grab them and run. Was it that? Or was it that, you know, he was hungry, he was starving, his house was going to be taken away? And yes, he committed the crime, but he sold that jewelry to feed his family and to uh, uh, pay the rent or mortgage installment so he wouldn't lose his home. So depending on the severity of the crime, extenuating circumstances are also taken into, uh, uh, into account. But all these are relatively recent developments. 
All these are recent developments. You notice they're mentioned in the in, in, in the Holy Quran fifteen hundred years ago. That is the break the treaty throw it back in their face, but react proportionately in equal measure. And the Holy Quran says over and over again, you know, uh, do not exceed the limits. And God does not like people who exceed the limits and, and so on. And it, the Quran makes general statements. And people say, oh, well, this is ex exceed the limits in whatever. But this is a general statement. Don't exceed the limit in anything. In eating, if you exceed the limit, you'll fall ill. In sleeping, in not sleeping, in working, in not working. Indeed, in everything in life, if you exceed the limits, then you will be harmed. And this is a very important thing to remember. And these, these are concepts which were in, introduced into certainly in Britain, in America, some of them are still being introduced. Uh, in Britain, they started being introduced into law in sort of 1950s and uh, so. But the Quran laid them down 1500 years ago. So, let us think and reflect on the message of the Holy Quran. The more we think about it, the more we'll see that it's a peaceful, tolerant religion. When it says it's for the whole humanity, what it means is that nations who act in accordance with its basic principles, they'll be successful. And we've seen that. West, which is I'm not saying that they've embraced Islam and recited the Kalim, but the principles it lays down of equality, of justice, of compassion, they're being followed in the West much more than in the East. And we can see that West is successful politically, economically, in every way. So with that, I think I'll wrap up with the prayer that uh, whoever you are and wherever you may be, may Allah keep the whole of humanity safe and sound and free from harm. Tomorrow, of course, is Friday, so we'll have our Friday uh, sermon. And then on Saturday at one o'clock, we'll have a broadcast on a WhatsApp group called Pure Discussions. And then after that, we will see you, inshallah, next week. Assalamu alaikum, khuda hafiz, and goodbye.